What's up, everyone? On today's episode of the Rundown Podcast, we're going to be talking how to fight our spouse. Not how to fight your spouse, but how to fight with your spouse the best way. Yeah, conflict is the price that we pay for intimacy. A lot of people think that the goal in marriage is to avoid fighting, but that's actually not true. In fact, the goal is to learn to fight right and to forgive fast. In this episode, we're going to study the fight and song of Solomon, and we're going to give you some ways in which you can learn to fight right. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Fight right. Hey, what's up, guys? You are listening to The Rundown Podcast. Hey, my name is Byron. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Church, and I am joined, as always, by my boy, Trevor Knox. Trevor, say hello. Hola. Hey, guys, we're going to be jumping into Song of Solomon today. We're going to take a look at this amazing, wonderful couple, The Bible's Guide to a Better Marriage, We're going to watch them get into a fight. But before we get into that and teach you the the Bible's Guide to Better Fights, what I want you to do is, as always, click like, comment, subscribe to the podcast, hit the little subscribe bell down there on the bottom so you get any notifications of when Redemption posts bonus content, sermons, or additional teaching material. And also, do us a really big favor, share this with your friends. Go ahead, click the link, share it on Facebook, on your Instagram, wherever it's at to help other people go beyond the Sunday sermon and get a little extra Bible teaching there as well. What's the worst that could happen? Share Uh, the post. (laughs) Uh, So today we're going to be diving into the fight. What I find so interesting, Trevor, is uh, that Song of Solomon, The Bible's Guide to a Better Marriage. I love it when I say it like that. The Bible's Guide to a Better Marriage. Not just The Bible's Guide. To a better marriage. It's the Bible's guide. To Very matter of factly. Yeah, it yeah. is the definitive Bible's guide to a better marriage. What I find uh, so fascinating is that um, 80% of Song of Solomon is the couple, they're in love, there's romance, there's intimacy, they're catching foxes, they're hunting the baby deer. And then 20% of Song of Solomon is actually them fighting. Yeah, chapters five and six is just a really big fight because 20% of every marriage is kind of the couple fighting. I mean, how is it in, in your marriage, right? That's a fair percentage, 20%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think me and Ashley, we have our our moments pretty much every day where we're like kind of like disagreeing with one another, kind of bickering back and forth. You know, you didn't do this and, oh, I said I was going to do this. Oh, whatever. You know, and then sometimes that escalates into some really big fights in our marriage as well. And a lot of couples, especially for singles, they think, well, we never fight. You know, the reason why you never fight is, well, be- probably because you have nothing, you know, to fight worth worth yeah. fighting for. Uh, or you never talk. Or you never talk, yeah. right? Or, or you just keep everything bottled up and repressed and you never share your true feelings and you never have any true intimacy. Okay, because fighting or conflict is the price that we pay for greater levels of intimacy. And that's what we're going to see in the text today. And that's also kind of the big idea from Sunday's message was that better fights lead to better marriages. And that statistically is true. Uh, what they researchers would kind of say is there's three steps to, um, to marriages. The first phase is the honeymoon stage. That's what uh, Song of Solomon 1 through 5 really is. It's the honeymoon stage. It's when everything's perfect and they can't do anything right. But then that only lasts for a month. The word honeymoon literally means the sweet month. 
Again, I said it, the sweet month. Because that's about as long as it lasts. A matter of fact. Yeah, and then after the honeymoon is over, that comes what sociologists call the disillusionment period, where they go from you can't do anything right to you can't do anything right. Me and Ashley went from that period in our relationship too. When we first got married, we're like, this is amazing. And then the first three years of our relationship was really a, a constant conflict, struggle, battle between our own selfishness, our own pride, our own wills. Um, and, you know, Ashley was very uh, servant hearted. I was very selfish. And so we couldn't really agree on what to do. And it just caused a lot of conflict in those first three years. We were in the disillusionment period. A lot of marriages, actually 70% of marriages get stuck in the disillusionment period. And what researchers have discovered is the reason that couples get stuck in this period is because they never learn how to deal with conflict in a way that is beneficial for the relationship. People just don't fight right. Yeah. They, they just don't fight. They spend a lot of time fighting against one another. They spend a lot of time arguing, but nothing ever gets actually settled and they don't produce any real true growth or develop any intimacy because they don't learn how to fight right. Here in the middle of Song of Solomon, we have a picture of the couple fighting. But if you learn to fight right, what sociologists will say next is that it leads to a level of greater commitment in the marriage. So three phases, the honeymoon, disillusionment, and commitment. And those are the same three phases that we see in Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is written 3,000 years ago. And just now, social studies and sciences are catching up with the wisdom that comes from the Bible because, hey, this is the Bible's guide to a better marriage. And so in Song of Solomon, we see all three phases. Uh, we see the honeymoon period. We see the fight or the disillusionment period. And then starting next week, we're going to be studying the commitment period. And Song of Solomon is built on these three phases. Most of our marriages are built on these three phases. Many of you who are watching, you're in the disillusionment period. And so we want to help you learn to fight right so it can lead to a greater commitment in your marriage. Trevor, what did you think about this message? Kind of the premise as we're getting ready to study uh, better marriages, we're helping singles, we're promoting a biblical worldview around sex and sexuality. And then we have a big, long, giant sermon all about fighting. What did you think about? It felt like another very, um, you know, hard-hitting, practical, mm -hmm. convicting sermon that we probably all needed to hear because these are those kind of things you can't deny. Right. Like, okay, we're all going to fight. Yeah. Let's, we might as well learn how to do it right. Yeah. You know, because I've, I've learned how to do it the wrong way for yeah. a pretty long time. Yeah. Ashley, um, whenever we would fight, she typically would shut down, okay? Yeah. Because you learn to fight from watching your parents. That's really kind of, there's so much of, so much of marriage and parenting is something that you've actually just picked up along the way. And a lot of times it's not healthy. Like one thing that we do at our home, which is not healthy, it's not good uh, when it comes to our parenting is um, my, my grandparents and Ashley's mom would do the same thing. They would go, you know, hey, you know, move that cup. I told you once, don't let me count to three. One, two, three three. I counted three, still didn't do it. And then they go, actually, they tell you not to do that. That's really, that's not a good parenting uh, tactic to use for your kids. Um, and it teaches like delayed obedience and awesome performance and reward. And so they tell you not to do that. It doesn't actually work for the kid, but yet we still do it. Even though we know it doesn't work, we still find ourselves doing it. And so oftentimes when we fight, we kind of fight in a way that um, we've picked up along the way in, in our childhood or by other people who have modeled before us. So for Ashley, her dad was an alcoholic, her mom was an immigrant, 
and her home was filled with a lot of turmoil. And so her dad would just yell and scream and raise her voice. And the mom would just, you know, like cower a little bit, you know, um, and then she would react and retaliate. And so whenever me and Ashley would fight, she would actually just shut down. Because as a little girl, that's what she remembered doing. When her parents were fighting, she would run and hide under the table or she would shut down. And so whenever we would get in a conflict, like I was raised by a redheaded Irish woman uh, and, uh, you know, like a, a hardworking blue collar, you know, pipe fitter. And so when they would fight, they would go at it. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, my, my grandparents are the most godly, spirit filled, loving people in the world, but they even got in fights and they would go at it. You never, oh, you always, oh, 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 oh. they would just fight. And, and so when it comes to me, you're ready I, to go redheaded Irishman. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to engage. I want to like, okay, we're going to fix this. We're going to settle this. Like, Hey, I'm going to express everything that I have within me. And Ashley would shut down. And because we didn't learn how to fight, right. Well, it just ended up causing more and more separation in our relationship because I'm pursuing and then she's shutting down. Or on the flip side, we're going to talk about this. Whenever we would fight and no conflict would be resolved, I would do what is called stonewalling. I'd put up a wall. I'd say, we're over. We're done. We're not talking about this. I want nothing to do with it. Pretty much, I'm done here. And then communication would break down again. And we learned to fight very similar to the way that we were kind of brought up in. I mean, have you experienced this in your own marriage? That was my biggest issue, of course. You know, we've been together for almost 11 years. So, or 11 years, sorry, Kayla. Yeah, we've been together for 11 years. So my biggest problem was always that. Like whenever we get too hot and spicy in the fight, I would just stonewall. I would mm-hmm. distance myself while she's ready to go at it still. And uh, yeah, brings up a lot of problems. Yeah. You're not addressing it. You're going to bed angry. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of... Hidden that helps, seats. doesn't it? Yeah. Going it's to really, bed angry helps. Really good for you. You know what I found that really helps? Sarcasm. Sarcasm really helps. I think one of the, the <laughs> last big, the last big knockdown drag out fight me and Ashley had was when she was pregnant with our second daughter, Ruth. And she's nesting and she's all like super emotional and she's trying to get the room ready. And, you know, she was being, uh, in, in her mind, very logical. In my mind, very irrational. Yeah. And so she's sitting there and, and she's in the living, in the bedroom and she's nesting for, for the room and she's kind of complaining at me and we're just not getting any headway. And so I said, well, why don't you just sit there and cry about it? Cause that would really help. Won't it? And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, can I have that back? <laughs> yeah. Can I take that back? But then like, as a man, I was like, well, I can't just apologize right now. I mean, I have to like You'd stick to your guns. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just walked away like, yes, I really did that. But inside I'm like, I just sinned against my wife. And then I came back and apologized. And then we had another real fight. And uh and then we 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 made through with it and everything's fine. And she forgave me and you know, we made sense with it. But we just didn't that was an example of me not fighting right. Right. Uh and so we're actually gonna see that take place in Song of Solomon. And I just love that the Bible gives us well, first, I love that. Um, the rundown gives us permission to to be people and to really express some of our own be failures. People, not beat people. Yeah, yeah. We can express some of our own failures, and hopefully, you can pay, learn from my my mistakes and from Trevor's mistakes. And then we can go to God's word and we can figure out the best way to do it. Because Amen. because um, I think we really, when it comes to this area, like we said in the beginning. Um, Conflict is the price that we pay for greater intimacy because when we learn to fight right and forgive fast, it actually produces a better marriage on the back end. And so, Trevor, in the sermon, we talked about um, five ways for you to fight right. What what was the first way to fight right, according to Song of Solomon? To fight right, step one, respond instead of react. Yeah, so whatever I did 
in the room where me and Ashley got in a fight, what that was called is reacting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was not responding with love. That was reacting out of frustration. And when we react instead of respond, what happens is we tend to hurt people, the, the people that we love the most. Yeah. Right. When we react instead of responding. Yeah, I think emotions are fickle things. Yeah. And to, you know, the more often, if you find in any situation, you tend to get emotional, you know, without thinking before you speak, it's not going to end well. Right. Yeah. 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 So what, um, there's a researcher, uh, which is really fascinating. His name's John Gottman and he's out of the Gottman Institute from university of Washington. And for the last 30 years, he actually has, if I believe I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm right. He has an entire apartment complex, a part of the Gottman Institute and couples move in there for the study. And they li- they agree to live there and they're like hooked up to all of the, like the sensors and they go through tests and they, you know, get analyzed regularly and they, they get like a, you know, three years free or something like that where they live in this apartment as a part of this sociological study of newlyweds. And he can actually predict over, you know, taking all the data for 30 years, he can actually predict the divorce rates or the, the, the likelihood of a divorce with a 95% success rate. So 95% of the times he can accurately pinpoint what couples are going to get divorced. That's crazy. And, uh, and he says it all comes on to four things. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But we use that phrase right here in Song of Solomon. It talks about the watchman on the wall, the watchman who beat me, bruised me, and took away my veil. Uh, and so the correlation's kind of there, but the four horsemen or three thi- or four things, criticism, contempt, and defensiveness. And then the last one, what me and you both struggle with, which is called stonewalling. 85% of the people who stonewall are men. So 85% of the time, it's the men who shut down in the conversation. But the first of the four horsemen, and it was really fascinating because as we were actually talking about this uh, in the sermon and throughout the week, um, pretty much, pretty much every couple I know, they're like, oh my God, we do that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I do that. And it's like, it's in every marriage. So yeah. if you have these things, don't feel like you're you, alone. You're alone, yeah, yeah. some big reject. Like, like I have them in my marriage, you know, um, Trevor has those. My marriage is perfect. But there's, <laughs> there's even like super, like couples that I thought just like are just crushing it. And they came up to me and they were just so repentant and brokenhearted. They were like, oh my God, like yeah. we have, we have the horsemen are in our marriage. Right. You know, because we're so dealing glad with these Song of too. Solomon allows us to be open about yeah, these things. Yeah, it's honest. Yeah. The Bible is the most honest book that's ever been written. Mm-hmm. King Solomon even has the horseman in his marriage. So here's the what we see. Woman. Uh, the first one is uh, is criticism. You know, what what is criticism? What do you think when you hear criticism? What I you, hear what, cri- judgment. Judgment, Constant yeah. judgment. Yeah. yeah. You never, you always, mm-hmm. you're just like your mom. You're being labeled. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're a, you're, you're a whore. When you start hearing you statements, that's mm-hmm. where criticism comes in. Like you, 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 you do this and you do that and you never do this and you always do that. All right. That's, that's criticism. Um, the second one is contempt. This is criticism with body language. This is when you're you're like you disgust me. Your hand goes on the hip, right? Hand, every, the hand goes on the hip. This is a universal sign language from women that means war, right? The hand goes on the hip. The, the neck starts bobbing and weaving a little bit, all right? And then the eyes roll in the back of the head. The door starts slamming. The feet. I can tell when Ashley's mad at me just by the way that she walks. But when she's walking around the house and she's like, dum 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 dum, yeah, for sure. And then she like goes to set, play it down. She's like dinner's ready. And I'm like, are you mad? She's like, no. I'm like, well, you set that plate down very aggressively. (laughs) Shout out to our headphone listeners right now. Yeah. And so, uh, (laughs) so like that's, that's, that's contempt. It's criticism with body language. 
And then the other one is defensiveness. This is uh, blame shifting. This yeah. is, you didn't, you, you're putting words in my mouth. I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. You begin to play the victim. Uh, you know, like uh, gaslighting is a part of it, you know, where you try to make the other person feel crazy or you make the other person feel dumb or you make the other person feel um, as if uh, like, like they're wrong, even though you know you're wrong. And so this is defensiveness that ha- takes place. Um, where you're like, I didn't say that. You're, you're overreacting. I'm sorry, but like if you ever add a but to the end of an apology, it stops being an apology. Uh, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to hit you in the face, but you deserve it, yeah. right? And that's, that's defensiveness. Uh, and then the last one is just when you shut down completely, it's known as- I'm done with it. It's yeah. known as stonewalling. Yeah. So you build a wall between the two of you. And what this does is it's reacting rather than responding with love. You're reacting out of frustration rather than responding with love. That's what we see in Song of Solomon. She actually, they get in a fight. And she locks Solomon out of the house. What do you think that is? Uh, I think that's stonewalling. That's a little contempt, (laughs) right? The old old Fred Flintstone. Yeah. And so she actually locks him out of the house. And it says he tried to put his hand through the latch. He's like punching a hole in the wall, trying to get into the room. I mean, this is a a real, this is a conflict. There's a conflict in there. Good old scrap. There's a a problem. And it was because they reacted to each other rather than responding to each other. So if you're in a marriage and you get in a fight, Right. What you want to do is you want to respond with love. You don't react out of frustration because when you react, you tend to hurt the people that you love the most. And if you think about it, marriage is the only place where we think that if we hurt them, they're going to love us more. Yeah. That marriage is the only relationship that we have where if we're critical, we think it's going to get better. Like if I, if you come into work and I'm just nagging and criticizing you all day long, I mean, how long are you going to be like, I love my job. My boss is such a jerk. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to be looking for a new job. And if we treat our spouses the same way, why do we think that they're going to get better when we nag them, criticize them through contempt? Through, I mean, when is ignoring someone ever like going to fix your problems? Yeah. Right. But we do it all the time in marriage. It's called stonewalling. And that's because we react instead of respond. So that's the first, that's the first way you want to fight, right? You want to fight right by react, by responding in love rather than reacting out of frustration. Yeah. What's the second one? Point number two, I will pray more than I complain. Yeah. What I tell our staff all the time is this. Uh, we, we, we have a staff of, uh, that complains a lot uh, because we live in a world where people just complain a lot. Like if you turn on the news, people are just complaining. If you watch TV, if you read a magazine, if you're reading any article, if you go on Facebook, what do people do all day long? All people do is complain. I mean, we live in a world that's just filled with whiners and complainers. Yeah. And that often seeps into our marriage and it seeps into our church. And what I tell our staff is this, if you haven't prayed about it, you can't complain about it, you know, and it's the same principle that comes to our marriages. Uh, We need to pray more than we complain. It's really easy to complain about your spouse. It's really easy to complain to your spouse. It's really easy to go to your friends and say, oh, we got in a fight today. Oh, um, like they never do this and I can't get anything, you know, like it's easy to go and complain. Yeah. Oh, you know, I just can't stand it or... Um, I don't want to go home and uh, she always does this or he never does that. It's easy to complain, but how come it's so hard for us to pray to the Lord for our spouse? Right. It's because it's what you said in your sermon. We think sometimes in our head that we can fix our partners. Absolutely. Right. You can't fix your partners. No. You need to allow that. You need to pray to allow the Lord to work in their life. Right. That's the only thing that's going to change anybody's heart. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I was thinking a lot about the um, the women in our church whose husbands are not believers. Yeah. Statistically, if a man is a Christian, uh, 90% of the time, the wife and kids will also become Christians and go to the church. But the inverse is true, where if the woman is a Christian and the husband is not, 20% of the time, the, the husband and the children. And so we have a church with a lot of women who uh, come very faithfully every week. They serve, they give, they're, they're in, you know, in, involved in the church, but their husbands just aren't believers. And I was really thinking about it because we have a lot of them who have been asking questions during Song of Solomon, like, well, my husband's not a Christian. Uh, you know, what should I do? And uh, I've, been, I've tried everything that I can. And I was like, the answer is just to keep praying for them. Because, you know, you could try to do any apologetics you can. You could try to nag them. You can try to, you could try to argue with them. You could try to fight them. You could twist their arm and drag them to church. But really, God's the only one that's going to be able to change their heart on this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I talked to a lot of couples where they're just at impasses in their relationship. And they're like, I don't know what to do because it seems as if uh, we can't agree on this. And so you just have to go to God in prayer because God's going to be the only one who's going to be able to change their heart in yeah. that. So if the husband's selfish, uh, you know, women have a hard time because you can't overcome selfishness with complaining. That's just going to make it worse. You can't nag someone out of selfishness. It's going to make it worse. Uh, so what you have to do is you have to pray consistently that God's going to begin to, to change their heart. Yeah, so much of this comes down to just prayer and patience. Yeah. Which is the same thing that we see in, in, in all through Song of Solomon. What we've been saying is like three ways for, you can't change a spouse, but God can. So there's three ways that I've been saying every single week for you to do to make your marriage better. What is that? Pray with your wife. Pray with your wife. Pray with your husband. Pray together. Read, read your Bible together. And then go to church together because that's God's way of changing our hearts. We may not be able to change our minds, but we can allow God to begin to change our hearts. And the mind will follow. And the mind, the mind will follow. Well, that's all repentance is. <laughs> Repentance is an about face, a change in direction. It's a change of life. And repentance is what God does in the life of the believer where he changes our hearts. He changes our direction. He changes our our minds. It's not our job to create false repentance for our spouse. It's God's job through the work of the Holy Spirit to produce heart change that will lead to repentance in our spouse. Right. And so, yeah, instead of complaining so much, hit your knees and pray. I didn't say this in the sermon, but uh, when we talk about ways to fight, just a little added bonus. When me and Ashley actually do get in fights, um, we'll actually kind of schedule them out, okay? I know that sounds crazy and weird, but we'll have this disagreement between the two of us. We'll have a, a situation of conflict, and then I'll say, okay, babe, and you saw this happen the other day at the office. Mm-hmm. Me and Ashley had a problem, and so I said, okay, well, um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have lunch today, and so you're going to come, we're going to, we're going to meet up for lunch and then we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about it. Or I'll say, when I get home from work, we'll finish this conversation or before, after we put the kids to bed, she'll say, we need to have a fight. Yeah. And so we'll schedule it out. We'll sit down. We'll lay the ground rules that we're fixing to cover in just a moment. We'll follow these five steps. And then anytime the emotions or anytime, um, unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment or just anger begins to build up, what we'll do is we'll actually call, call a timeout in the middle of the fight. We'll call a timeout. Anytime any of the horsemen, four horsemen show their head, we'll call a timeout. And I'll say, okay, we're going to take a timeout. And then I hold her hand and I say, we're going to pray right now. And so, so I say, God, I'm, I'm bringing my wife before you. She's bringing me. We're coming before you right now. Lord, we ask that you would bless our marriage. Help us reach a resolution in this. Father, you say, if anybody lacks wisdom, that you will give wisdom. And so I pray for my wife because I want to pray about it more than I complain about it. So we'll actually take timeouts in the middle of a fight 
and we'll pray together. Let's be very clear. You did not always do this. I did not I, do all yeah, this. Yeah. So, no. so I know some of you are thinking, this is, a, this is a new up. two to three, this is a new two to three year old, three, three year plan, but yes. it's really worked. Yes. It's really worked. Yeah. And, and so it, that's a great example for well, those of us. Too. Well, it's so hard to, it's so hard for them to hit you when you're holding their hand while they're praying for you. <laughs> Amen. And so, and Ashley's tiny and Asian, yeah. you know. You she, gotta get that wrist. She's, she she, she can come get, in there, yeah. You have to get that wrist control. I know, yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so we, we like to pray together. And so pray more than you can play, which leads to number three. Talk it out instead of walking away. Absolutely, yeah. And this leads to our nine nevers. big nine nevers yeah. in a fight. Yeah. Which uh, I really love this part of the sermon because it's, again, it's very easy to digest and you read down the list, you're like, oh, I probably have done this. And yeah. then it did not go well. Right. right. So we have nine nevers in a fight. I'm going to list them out for you guys real quick. Okay, yeah. What are yeah. the nine nevers? One, never speak rashly. Yeah. My wife's name's Ashley, not rashly. That's but, right. But uh, never speak rashly. Don't say things that you don't mean. Amen. Yeah. Point two, nine nevers in a fight. Never fight in public. Oh, Ooh. that's huge. Oh, my gosh. Praise this the one, Lord for that method. That is, I've, <laughs> oh, my God. I have... I have done this before, and yes, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. the most embarrassing thing ever in a grocery store to be arguing about how many eggs we should be buying. Yeah, let's let everybody see it. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, never use your kids against each other. Uh, yeah, and that absolutely. doesn't mean gr- to not like grab your kid and hit your spouse with it. It means like don't use your kids as you know collateral Le- or yeah, whatever or leverage, leverage, yeah, 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 or or turn your back on your spouse to your kids or talk negative about your spouse to yeah. your kids. Your daddy is horrible. Your mom is always great. Yeah. You know, don't do that. That's bad. Yeah, You're, you'll next- be paying for therapy for a long time. Exactly. <laughs> Never, I love this one, never say always or never. Yeah. You that will does never, not apply to this sentence. You will never always win, never always, if you yeah. never always say never. Don't use the absolute. Well, you're going to lose as soon as you say you never, because I'm like, well, there was one time yeah, in 2012 time? when yeah. I did that. Speaking of, you're being historical, which is number five. Never yeah. get historical. When you get, when you get hysterical, you get historical. Right. Don't bring up the past. Love keeps no records of yeah. wrongs. Let it be. And neither does the, the Lord past. as he forgives yes. us. Let mm-hmm. it go in the past. Amen. Never raise your voice. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, Never. because things escalate so fast. Exactly. And then when you raise your voice, you think you're being heard, but really you're just making it harder for them to hear you. Yeah. 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 Never raise your hand. Absolutely. Exact Never. And no, yeah. and no, and no, and no. And something I've seen is troubling. Um, I, I've seen on Facebook a lot of times people say, I, I believe that if a woman hits a man, it's right for a man to hit a woman back. For sure. I've yeah. seen a lot of that lately. I've and that's demonic and horrible and wrong. Yeah. We should never hit anyone, period. And you know, two rights don't make a wrong. Yeah. So, or two wrongs don't make a right. So, especially, uh, First Peter says that we are to honor women as the weaker vessels. Yeah. And so, men like just be—we're bigger, we're stronger. We can do more yeah. harm, more damage. That's disgusting. It's not to say that women aren't uh, strong in their own right. Yeah. But like, like, there's much easier ways to restrain things. Yeah, I think Mark yeah. Driscoll says it like this: Men are thermoses, and women are coffee cups. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the illustration is like with thermoses, you can hit them together and they won't dent or bend. But with a coffee cup, if you hit a coffee cup or drop it or break it, it'll shatter it. It's not that one's more important or better than the other, Need but both. we're just made of dis- different substances right. in the sense, like the strength wise, the resilience of it. And so, if a man ever just hits, regardless if a woman hits him first, is just ir- ir- it's I would just, hope that one was it's very just wicked, obvious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, culturally, it's not anymore. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, you would hope. Yeah. Number eight, never be sarcastic. Because that works. Or that helps, doesn't that it? That totally Sarcasm helps. helps. We hit on that. Yeah. And my favorite, never go to bed angry. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Speak life into that one. Yeah. So if you go to bed angry, yeah. Paul actually talks about this, that you're allowing Satan yeah. to have a foothold in your marriage and you're yeah. giving the devil an opportunity. Unresolved conflict is demonic. Yeah. Unresolved conflict invites Satan into your marriage and he no longer has to attack the husband and wife because now the husband and wife are attacking each other. Right. 
Like you're going to shoot your spouse spiritually and emotionally, and you're going to cause damage to them. And so Satan doesn't have to worry about it. He got in between you. And so now you're doing Satan's work for him. And here's the deal. Forgiveness, it, it, it either inv- unforgiveness brings hell into your marriage. An unforgiving marriage is hell. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, there's bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. It is literally hell to live in that home. That's, that's bringing hell into your marriage. But forgiveness where you model what Christ has done for us is literally bringing heaven down. This is why in the Lord's Prayer, he says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He says, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Forgiveness is literally bringing the kingdom of God to reside in your home. If you go to bed without resolving your conflict, you're just inviting Satan to have a field day in your marriage. That's it? Yeah. That's exactly. So never I've experienced do, that on both ends. Do yeah, not go never to do anger. those things. So our main overall tips for fighting fair, number four, Focus on the good, not the bad. There's a reason you married him. Yeah. I mean, you got married for a reason. Focus on the good. Not everything is bad. Not everything is falling apart. Focus on the good and fix the things that are wrong. Amen. Focus on the good and fix the things that are wrong. And then the last one is this. You will get better instead of bitter. Yeah, this one's so good. Because at the end of the fight, she says, I will go down to the nut orchard and I will see what is in blossom. The relationship actually began to bloom. It actually got better as a result of their fight. And here's the reason why. Because marriage is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. You and your spouse, you're not perfect. You're going to fight. You're going to argue. You're going to disagree. You're going to debate. You're going to get into some conflicts. But you need to be committed to one of them. That's what marriage is. It's an unconditional commitment to an imperfect perfect person. And so if you learn to have conflict in a way that you both win, because if you win and your spouse loses, you both lose. Yeah. But if you both win, then the marriage gets better and it doesn't get better. Right. And so just stay committed to that. And if you go through the honeymoon disillusionment and commitment, you're going to do that to an imperfect person and you're going to choose to see them the way that God sees them. And if you do that, it's going to get better. Amen. A yeah. life of prayer, yeah. patience, and compromise. Absolutely. Those are those are key elements for better marriages. So, Well, guys, we yeah. hope you learned something today. I know I learned something yeah. more every time as we've been going through the Song of Solomon. Guys, do not forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Rundown Podcast. We'll be back very soon. Um, fight fair. See you later.